0: Welcome to Grace on Tap. Grace on Tap is a podcast dedicated to the history and the theology of the Lutheran Reformation, all over a nice cold beer. That was sort of a a week a week
1: clink. It was a weak clink, but it, we'll, we have a good beer and we'll tell you about it during the beer break. Uh, we continue our discussion of the Fourth Commandment. We're starting at paragraph 108 and... Uh, As we discuss uh, the fourth commandment, we're starting to look at um, what it means to have honor for our father and our mother. And in this discussion is uh, the whole role of the two kingdoms and what it means to understand the rule and reign of God, both in our earthly lives, and our spiritual lives, uh, the way he has ordered um, these lives to have honor and glory uh, to be given to him as we look to whom he has placed as agents of his mercy and his order in our lives,
0: so you know I'm just you know one of the things that uh, Luther says here is we are not to regard our parents and uh, the, the, their persons. We had actually, we had a lot of discussion last time on on some of the complexity with with this particular commandment. Um, and I, uh, uh, and so I guess if you want to get the full picture, go back to that. We're not going to revisit all those discussions. Uh, but, uh, the you know, just diving in here, it says, uh, we're not to regard their persons how they may be, but the will of God who has thus created and ordained. And what he, what I think Luther is getting at there is that God puts uh, people in a positions of authority over us. And that's whether we're talking about our parents or, or anybody else that God has ordained to put in a position of authority. And this is where we get into the two kingdoms. Um, because God puts people in positions of authority over us. Whether whether we're talking about the work world or we're talking about government or we're talking about uh, so many other domains, uh, God places those people. Whether Whether we like it or not, we have to recognize that those people have been placed in those positions of authority over us for a reason. And, uh, and so that's really what this is all about, uh, is I remember, and I, I don't have it in my notes here, but, uh, after, after we're done with the, uh, after we're done with the catechism, one of the things I would like to get into is the postals, uh, Luther's postals. And it, it, there's a point in here where, in the posts where Luther is talking about when, when, um, uh some of the some of the the leader the rulers who were placed whether it's Pontius Pilate or some of the more uh or less less worthy quote unquote worthy leaders who were placed over the jews uh and and in, in the in the new testament and and how god chose those people how god chose the romans to to be in uh and, and authority over the Jews and some of the reasons that Luther saw as as the reasons for that and so so this is something that that's a that's a whole another episode but it's all intertwined with this this idea of of God ordaining those who are pu- put in positions of authority over us
1: Luther's starting to put into perspective The reason we will honor somebody is not rooted in who they are in their quality of person or in the work that they do, but primarily we honor people because that is the persons that God has placed in our lives. And so the honor we give to people is not rooted in what we see in the person in front of us, but in the trust that God is at work, that God is at work in the way he's ordered this world, and so that When dealing with our parents, we're going to remember that is the will of God that we have parents. And he has ordained us to be the children and for them to be our parents. And that uh, perspective or lens or worldview of how we will see people in authority is one that I think, for instance, I've heard this statement that uh, trust is earned. That, you know, someone will say, you know what, until you earn it, I'm not going to trust you. And I find that so disconcerting because I realize that there's a certain credibility that has to be built up. We have to establish our bona fides uh, with people. But ultimately, the reason that we are at work in each other's lives is because God has called us to be in this spot. And if you're not going to listen or if you're not going to obey or if you're not going to do what you are called to do because you haven't learned who that person is yet, that means that you're organizing principle for trust is yourself how different it is if the organizing principle of who i will trust is not what i see but in the trust that god is at work now others may call that naive or they may say well you're just setting yourself up to be taken advantage of by people but i think there is an incredible just freedom of joy and uh and life that's found when we look at one another as someone that God has put there.
0: So you know, probably the most obvious example of that is like you know, is the parent. Obviously, God has given you to your parents. God has given your parents to you, and and this isn't by some accident of, of politics or accident of of um, one person placing another person in authority over you. This is the most obvious, obvious example of, of God at work, placing you in the care of this person. And, and so it's in that relationship between parent and child that we learn about authority, about trusting God and his wisdom in placing uh, us under the authority of those who are not perfect. And that's, I think that's there, There is, you know, there is no place in the Bible where it says parents are perfect. You know, I mean, that's, we, we are all sinners. And and so there's this, this recognition that the person we're dealing with in this position of authority is a sinner, and part of our learning you know, how to be humble before God is to learn that humility with
1: our parents. All right, so where we want to get to is uh, talking about three things that Luther describes as honor your parents. And as he goes through the, the things that it means uh, to understand what this commandment requires is first, to understand that your parents are the most precious treasure on earth, that we value them as a precious treasure. We hold them, we care for them, we look up to them, we hold them in that kind of esteem. Second, Uh, We will behave uh, with modesty or respect towards them. We're going to avoid treating them roughly, haughtily, or defiantly. Yield to them, be silent, even if they go too far. And that that last bullet item is, even if they go too far, is a point of just to understand that every time our parents do something that we don't like is not the occasion for us to act out or to speak up. In fact, it's just a, a moment of humility to submit to them and hold your tongue. I think that quality of learning when to hold one's tongue is learned in the way we relate to our parents. And it's a, a skill we'll need throughout life as well.
0: So uh, the, uh, the last one there is to honor them by our works. And uh, gladly it's, uh, Luther talks about doing it gladly and with humility and reverence. Uh, to serve help and provide for them when they're sick and infirm or poor and, and and this is getting into you know and we've talked about it before you know part of a, a huge part of the Christian life is the freedom of the Christian and and the freedom Christ gives us to to love our neighbor that we're we're no longer constrained by uh, by the things of this world so much and, and our own, our own desire for, for self glorification, we find our glorification in Christ. And so, so that gives us the freedom and we learn that part of the the learning of to doing the, doing that, uh, is, is in this, this caring for our parents, caring Mm -hmm. for the, the, the people that, that God has. And as they grow old, as they grow, you know, where they need us, uh, to be there for them, and uh, and that's that's a big part of, of 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 learning. Again, all of this is about learning our role uh, in the world, and and so that's that's uh that's part of honoring the parents is to to care for them when they need us,
1: and doing that kind of work with humility and reverence to learn how to serve, to help, and to provide for someone when they're sick or poor, and to do it in such a way that it's done out of reverence for the the integrity of that person, and not because we're receiving some sort of reward or inheritance at the end of it, but just simply because that is the work that God has called us to do. Then uh, Luther goes on to describe how this is a great work that's given to children, and he spends quite a bit of time highlighting this part of this command that's given by God uh, to children. Go uh, ahead.
0: I was just going to say, so I'll just give a quick quote here uh, thus, there would be no need of inventing monasticism nor spiritual orders, but every child would have abided by this commandment. And you know, and this is, and he'll go into this. I think uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. But he talks about these Carthusians, and uh, the, I had to actually look up the Carthusians, who they were. They're still around, as a matter of fact. Uh, and this is a, a group that. Um, they they dedicate their lives to solitary prayer. Uh, there's about 450 of them or so, in and the modern right now, um, that's spread out all over the world, both men and women, uh, Catholic monks. And the the I think where Luther is you know really railing against them and is because I, from what I've read of that era when Luther was writing this, and Evan, correct me if I'm wrong here. But, um, of course, you didn't have the uh, the 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 social safety net that we have today in Luther's era. And so these people were walking away from their responsibility to their parents, and their parents might not have had anybody else to rely on. and they were walking away so that they could go and pray for the world and, you know, giving up their their responsibilities to their parents. Now, the Carthusians today uh, aren't in the same situation, but I think Luther is making a point there uh, that's still valid, where there are people who are, you know, very, very, you know, very holy in the eyes of the world, but they're dropping out when it comes to this particular commandment, where they're not, you know, everybody says, oh, what a holy person, but they, they don't take care of their parents uh, when because nobody sees it and nobody, nobody's going to give them a pat on the back over it.
1: We might think of it as just an everyday mundane activity, but Luther points out that, unfortunately, it's become despised and brushed aside, and no one recognizes it as God's command, as a holy, divine word and teaching. And instead, they take this work of being a child who honors and respects parents as something that could almost be pushed aside. And for Luther... His concern is that when we push aside the very basic fundamental commands of God to do something that we've self-crafted for our own glory, um, we're headed down a very dangerous path of of moving away from trusting in the righteousness that we receive from Christ and instead seeking to establish our own uh, holiness. That that experience you describe about the Carthusians during Luther's time is— uh, wasn't new in Luther's time either. Jesus Himself is talking about the concerns that He has about those who have disregarded the commandment to honor parents by calling the things of this world as korban and instead seek to serve the their own righteousness.
0: You know, it's it's it really is. Uh, and honestly, I, I can't name any examples of this just because it's the type of thing that when people take care of their parents it's not something they talk about it's something that is just like done and you don't think about it and so when they don't take care of their parents when they you know when when they when they allow their parents to uh to to suffer you know while they're out doing you know quote unquote godly things um uh, that that also isn't discussed and, and so this is this is the, the sort of the hidden good works that of God, you know that only He sees. Uh, too often, well, mm-hmm. that, but that, you know, and that's so. I, I, I suspect that this is still common in this day. It was common in Christ's day. It was common in Luther's day. It might not be as obvious in today's era, but I'm sure it's it's still happening a lot. And you're many- more familiar with it than me.
1: Well, many families struggle with how to care for their parents, uh, whether you have one sibling that's nearer to that parent and they end up carrying the heavy load, and right. then you have the the sibling that uh, lives far away. They swoop in for a week and they work really hard during that week and they think they've done a lot and then they leave and uh, don't recognize that everyone else who's close by has been doing everything every day. And I think it's a very difficult dynamic uh, because it is pretty common for one sibling to take on the caretaker role as parents get older. But how that gets shared or communicated or encouraged by the other siblings, I think, seems to be the greatest tension I experience as a pastor. And I, I, I understand the difference between living close and far away right now because my brother lives much closer to my mom and my stepdad than I do. And so Andy ends up doing uh, a lot more of just dropping by and saying hi than I'm able to do. And so then when I'm in town and I'm there and I'm working really hard at maybe the yard or something like that, I leave and think, oh, I did a really good job. And then I have to think about the fact that Andy's there every week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You just gave him a a small break, a one week break maybe, but he's back to the grind. So so that's
1: good it's just that dynamic of how parents and uh, children relate to one another in those times of caretaking that I think is the highest tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one one of the things, and I I said at the beginning of the podcast here that I didn't want to get into the whole, the the whole, uh, uh, some of the complexity with this, this particular commandment with the quote unquote, uh, evil, you know, parents, um, and, uh, Uh, But there was a throwaway line that I thought was really helpful that I want to just quickly touch on. And then we're going to let's go to a beer break. Uh, And that was in uh, uh, paragraph 116, where Luther gives some limits on the obedience we should show to our parents. And he says, if God's word and will are in force and being accomplished, nothing shall be esteemed higher than the will and word of parents yet so that it, too, is subordinated to to obedience toward God. And so it's he doesn't go into it any further, but if your parents are telling you to to steal or kill or you know lie, you know, then there are limits to Mm -hmm. what what to what you need to do. And that gives us even for those who are find themselves with very, very difficult parents, it gives some guidelines to the the limit and puts limitations of boundaries around this obedience to parents. Obedience to parents is is for you know, to express obedience to God, and if the and if the parents place themselves above God, uh, then it's time to say no, you know. And that's with 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 respect and dignity and and love, but it's time to say no. And that that was uh, that that's sort of a you know in that one sentence. At least that's that's what I got out of it.
1: So Mike, I think you really explained something very important right there that our good works to others are meant to be in obedience to God, to give glory to him. But when that work towards others becomes something other than God, uh, glorifying God, then that work itself is dangerous. And and so how we care for our parents um, and how we follow their will and their word, ultimately the lens through which I figure out, am I going to do this or am I not? That that checklist of, does this make sense? The, the author of that checklist is God. Amen. All right, so we've got a beer today, and we've got the um, Oberon. It's a summer wheat ale from Bell's Brewery in Comstock, Michigan, and it has four ingredients. And Mike and I were talking about these four ingredients earlier. If you go to the Bell's website, you will find that they have um videos explaining uh, the ingredients of uh, and what they contribute to a beer. So you can watch a fifty second video on the importance of water in beer, the quality of the water and and the importance of that water, and then uh, the wheat uh, and he describes the the brewer describes wheat like the sun uh, bringing warmth to the beer, and then the hops in the. The Oberon, it's not just a fruit. It's it's something that uh, builds the the base of the beer. And then uh, bringing everything together in the beer is the yeast. And they use for their yeast their um, in-house ale yeast. And so I was very surprised reading about the ingredients of the Oberon that it was only four. Because I thought for certain there was spices, there was fruit, um, that it— Was kind of an engineered beer, but it is in fact uh, one of those just great basic summer beers uh, that has a a wonderful flavor and uh, just has great ingredients. Only four ingredients wheat, uh, water, hops, and yeast.
0: You know, this I've been looking forward to this episode and I wanted to do it actually earlier. I've, I've talked a little bit about how I, uh, I you know, come come summertime. I, I I know IPAs are a are a summertime beer for a lot of people, just not for me. I just don't like IPAs in the summertime. I I, I like to go toward the wheat beers, the summer shandies, those kinds of things, uh, and the Oberon is is my my favorite summer beer. And uh, I'm not the only one they have uh, 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 in Michigan um, on the first day of spring. Uh, they they have uh, they have Oberon parties all through Michigan and uh, in Comstock, but in el- elsewhere where people celebrate the release of Oberon. And uh, and then it's it's a uh, Oberon is is the this is a Bell's Oberon is a is a favorite and we're we're uh i'm i'm glad we're finally getting it into our into our rotation here uh to uh, it's been summer for a oh, couple weeks now and uh but it's really i'm 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 really happy to be having the Oberon this on, during this
1: episode so this is this is my my summer beer and I'm I'm going to enjoy it and I am glad we're enjoying this beer as well the the bottle and the can will have a picture of a sun on it Um, Kind of a reminder that the Oberon is the color and the scent of a sunny afternoon. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. So we return back to our discussion of the fourth commandment. We are discussing uh, the will and word of parents ultimately is subordinated to the obedience towards God. And that is really a great just method of figuring out anything we're called to do in relationship to others in this world, that we are uh, maybe a subordinate to someone, we are uh, under someone's position of authority, and we're trying to figure out, do I listen to this boss? Do I listen to this cop? Uh, Do I listen to this president? Do I listen to this general? Do I listen to this parent? Whatever uh, someone is in authority over you, uh, it must always be measured against who you are called to be as a child of God.
0: So after Luther finishes up that that little section where he he puts his you know he puts those boundaries around the the this commandment he he goes back into really talking about how, how great the commandment is, and he, he, he just doesn't seem like he can get enough of talking about how great this commandment is. And I, I, I think that's partly because it is so neglected and always has been so neglected that, you know, Luther really does hammer on this. And so he, he's uh, starting in paragraph 127, he starts talking about the earthly benefits of, uh, of this commandment. And you know he talk, he says it's uh, he talks about how it's it's easy to to take just like it's easy to take God's love and provision for granted, it's easy to take our parents' love and provision for granted and and that that's as we become more sensitive to our parents' love and provision, uh, it helps us once again to 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 recognize God. Uh, both in the work of our parents and in the work of others who who love and provide provide for us, and it's just the you know the selfishness of our hearts that we we tend to think that everything is because of us you know, but that's this this commandment does help us in in this world, sort of takes what is spiritual that spiritual appreciation for God and makes it very concrete by by. Focusing us on looking at the, the the love and provision of our parents and uh, and then hopefully that's going to translate into recognizing it from God
1: down the road he points out that it seems easy for all of these blessings that we have uh, from those whom God has placed in our lives to be wiped from our memories for, wiped from our memories when an evil comes when an evil arrives in our lives we start to Imagine that everything else that was before it was worthless or was just vanity or just a lie. And uh, and so when an evil moment arrives and we look at what someone has done in our lives and we just neglect everything else that's happened. And I think that's a good recognition that he has of that power of evil to just wipe away the good. Maybe you've seen this in the way you provide encouragement to others and uh, correction and and that necessity of sandwiching uh, any words of correction with uh, considerable words of praise and acknowledgement of what they've been able to accomplish beforehand. And I I see it with my children more and more as I think about how after a sport, uh, after they've played in a game or uh, wrestled in a match, and how I'm going to address what I know they did wrong. Do I even have to bring it up? Maybe I might bring it up. But first i'm going to spend considerable time making sure my words don't bring harm to them
0: and that's something that you know it, it is it though when the evil hour comes it it is easy to forget uh, there's so many of us who when we find ourselves in in a in a valley of some sort um it, it's it's easy to despair you know um and 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 yeah, he's absolutely right. We we do tend to forget all the great blessings that have been given to us. And and it takes a lot of faith in those moments to, to consider all the great
1: blessings that are ours. So then Luther spends paragraphs 131 to 139 to discuss the promise that's attached to this commandment, that thou mayest live long upon the land which the Lord thy God has giveth thee.
0: So uh, I'm going to just read from... Uh, Paragraph one thirty four, and it's this is direct from Luther. For to have long life in the sense of the Scriptures is not only to become old, but to have everything which belongs to long life, such as health, wife and children, livelihood, peace, good government, etc., without which this life can neither be enjoyed in cheerfulness nor long endured. And now, you know, it's it's funny because. And I was I was actually wondering about this, Evan. As I was reading through this, is, is this a reference to if if we corporately, if we as a people, go through and and live according to this this commandment, where we honor those who have been placed in authority above us, um, it, it seems like society would be more well ordered, and that. Uh, you know that 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 we would have all these great benefits, uh, more likely to have these great benefits if if we if we really did within the boundaries of God's law, especially you know if if all those people in positions of authority were working within the boundaries of God's law.
1: Um, well, he sees this commandment as the the disobedience of this commandment, the, the violation of this commandment at its seed is the origin of any other kind of disobedience that we will have uh, to anybody else. He goes on to say in paragraph 137, why do we have so many scoundrels who must daily be hanged, beheaded, or broken on the wheel, if not because of disobedience? And and so his his conclusion is that because we don't, Value the way a child should honor his parent. This leads people to later on in life to just take for granted that disobedience is fine. Yeah. But in fact, they'll be caught on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 funny how you know, and I, I keep going back to um, if if we corporately uh, followed, and especially in Luther's time, where. Society was still, a, you know, we're in a post-Christian society now, or, you know, cl- almost. <laughs> if we're not there, we're darn close mm-hmm. uh, to a, a post-Christian society. Um, and and if, but in Luther's time, it was it was a strongly Christian society. That that whole, you know, from the emperor on down, these were these were devout people who were mostly arguing about the one of their major arguments was about the meaning of of God's truth and you know it, it's it's one of those things that you know if if people if people acted again i'm I'm going to draw that same boundary Luther does if people in authority acted within the the con, with you know with with regard to God's law they didn't cheat they didn't steal they didn't you know, they didn't murder, they didn't, you know, they, they, they were honest, all the different things that, that are in God's law. And and then the people, you know, uh, were, were, were obedient to that to them. You know, how, how, how much better the life is for everybody, you know, and, and is that what God is promising
1: here? Is that? Well, he says that. He says the godly and obedient, however, receive this blessing in that they live long in peace and quietness. They will get to see their children's children, as stated, to the third and fourth generation. As we know from experience, where there are fine old families who prosper and have many children, it is because some of them were brought up well and honored their parents. On the other hand, the wicked uh, will not know this posterity. Uh, Therefore, let it be a warning. It is important to the obedience of God to treasure our relationship with our parents.
0: You know, I think we'll be we'll be closing up shop here very soon, but I'm gonna get this last one, which is a just a short little comment Luther makes, and he doesn't really expand on it very much, but he says, you know we we all think we understand what it means to to love and honor our parents, and none of us do and and he 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 in in paragraph one forty he 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 touches on that. How we all take this this commandment for granted, and uh, thinking that oh yeah I got that covered, and this is going to be sort of the case for many of the ca- commandments going forward. Uh, yeah, I've never murdered. Yeah, I've never stolen. You know, um, and, and there's there's going, but this is the first one that that he really, at least I don't recall him saying. Maybe he did say it in the mm-hmm. previous ones, but um, he he touches on it here again, which is that. Yeah, you know, yeah, we think we think this is easy, but mm, not really. It's not. It's very, very difficult. And and we we think we understand it. And once again, no, no, not not really.
1: So that, when that's when we pass Mike, when we pass over lightly uh the things of God that we think are simple or are basic and we've already got it covered, and then we pass on to those things that we think uh we fasten our attention to other things that we think are more glorious, more difficult, more challenging, more rewarding, uh, we will fail to perceive and believe how God has been at work in even those most base moments. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about his explanations of the commandments, is he takes them back to these basic things and just says, these are the simple things of God. Do these simple things and you will find a glorious way of how God is at work in your life. Move past these too quickly and try to move up a level and advance yourself up to greater and greater heights of glory without first establishing this foundation, and you will find that you are quickly going to fall. Amen. Well, I had
0: I had great hopes that we would be able to get through the Fourth Commandment in this episode, but not to be. <laughs> so we will pick this up, Episode 3 on the Fourth Commandment, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the pace again in, in future ones. So I uh, want to say thank you to all of you for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, shoot us an email or go to our website. And Evan, you, you have that memorized better than I do.
1: GraceUntap-podcast.com. It's a website where every episode is posted, often with a little bit more background information. Uh, that's also a spot where we had a listener, a- answer, a listener ask on Facebook. If I have a question about something you've discussed in one of your podcast episodes, where should I ask that question? And I said to Tom, a great spot to ask that question is in the comments of that post on our website. Because then we can write related to where that podcast episode is posted, have this dialogue of questions. And especially as we find people are listening to episodes that we recorded two years ago and if we can put those questions right near that article on the website, makes us easier to kind of respond and know what they're asking about as well.
0: Very good. Well, thanks again for, for listening. Post.